Good morning. In the name of God who made the earth, in the name of Jesus Christ who came to earth, in the name of the Spirit who envelops the earth, I personally welcome you to our outdoor worship gathering. Uh, this morning is so, so beautiful and lovely, and it is such a blessing. Uh, Jesus Christ, may we come into your presence today in this sanctuary called the outdoors earth, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So, as you know, sometimes life unfolds nicely for us. We get into rhythms. We, we do life. We eat, sleep, work, play. We have Sabbath, have fun, go back to work, all of these things. You know, we, we call this the everyday, the, the mundane. You know, we, we get into a pattern. And again, life just unfolds nicely. But other times, it's like our timeline, the timeline of our life enters into a time of contraction. Okay? This is when life speeds up, things change quickly. We call it the whirlwind, the contraction. And we can resonate with, with uh, 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine, when Paul says, the appointed time is growing short. But the special time is drawing near, growing short. It, it feels very real to us. We, we get that. Sometimes life just feels like, like a window is, is closing. Now, I believe God is speaking to us all the time. I believe God speaks to us in the ordinary, the special, or, or excuse me, the, the mundane and everyday life. But more so, I, I believe that, that it's in these, these moments of time, these, these seasons of contraction, these special moments of time. I, I know God really utilizes these, these moments for us to grab our attention, to, to speak to us. It's, it's when we, you know, life's moving fast, things are changing, you're feeling stuff. It's when our heart is, is pinched. You know, this is a special opportunity that, that God can use to, once again, grab our attention. It's an opportunity for us to cry out to God, to, to listen to what he's saying to us, to, to seek out the, the voice of the Father. It's, it's those moments where we're called to be still and know that he's God. Now, in the Old Testament, David is a character that, that I think of who, who experienced moments of contraction. David knows this, this, this heart pinch. Now, David is usually a, a well-known character. Uh, he was a monarch that lived a long time ago, a thousand years before Jesus. In the book of Samuel, uh, he's uh, identified to us first. We, we meet him as a young shepherd boy from Bethlehem. And he's the youngest of, of eight, and he plays the harp. Now, as a, a shepherd boy, I, I need you to, to kind of step into that, that reality for a second there. You know, think about just the long and slow days of watching over sheep. You know, maybe a little adventure here and there, but for the most part, I just imagine long pockets of time, the lackluster Life kind of just unfolds. You're watching sheep, moving them from the water to the grass, back to the water. Plenty of time to practice the harp. Plenty of time to practice the slingshot. It's peaceful, but boring. It's dull. 
but each day unfolding like the last one. But then in David's timeline, as we follow David's story, metaphorically, in terms of David's timeline, the contraction begins. The long days of watching sheep, the simple unfolding of life, and then a bunch of drama comes. There's this big guy named Goliath. He's the champion of the Philistines. And if you know the story, David ends up killing Goliath with a slingshot. A sling and a stone. He slays Goliath. He becomes the hero of Israel. But then he, he is then employed by King Saul. He goes from being a shepherd boy. Now he works for the king of Israel. He becomes best friends with Prince Jonathan, the eldest son of Saul. And David works for Saul, and, and, and he's successful. He's su so successful in all that he does. He gets promoted, a high rank in the military. David is just so good at what he does. And Saul becomes jealous. It's like a popularity contest happens. Saul becomes jealous. And the Bible tells us that God's presence leaves King Saul. And then Saul, he starts to act in violence towards David. There's, there's a story where David is playing the harp, and then King Saul throws a spear at him. Like, what? <laughs> this, what? And David, he's like, okay, like, clearly, like, I'm, I'm picking up the signals here. David flees. He runs away. He ends up in Gath. And then David pretends to be insane. He has saliva running down his, his beard. And I, I love it. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 21. At the very end, King Akish of Gath, he says, like, do you guys think I'm short of crazy people? Like, I don't need another one. Like, send him away. So, like, the, clearly, like, David is, is doing a good job at acting insane, just out of his mind. But he, he does that. He's able to flee Gath, and he runs to a cave near the town of Adullam. Adullam. So from being a shepherd boy, a national hero, being a successful and popular leader. Then he's on the run. Now he's in exile. Now he finds himself in a cave. He's not there to go spelunking. He's there for shelter, for refuge. And it's very possible that, that in this cave, the cave of Adullam, this is where David composed Psalm 142. And we get a glimpse of David's heart in the cave in Psalm 142. And this is what we're going to do today. We're, we're going to check out Psalm 142. Let us join with David today. Let's read. Let's learn from Psalm 142. And really, it, it shows us an example of prayer, among other things. But I really hope that, that Psalm 142, it speaks into your life today. This psalm is for everyone, but specifically, it's for those who get beat by life. Those who get caught up in the whirlwind, for those who find themselves in the caverns of, of life, this psalm is for those who feel alone. And so Psalm 142, it, it, it begins with, with um, David is praying to God, and we start off with four descriptions of prayer. It says, I cry aloud to the Lord, I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy, I pour out my complaint before him, I reveal 
my trouble to him. All right, so we can pray by crying out, calling out to God. In, in the book of Exodus, the people were in bondage and they cried out to God. They asked for help. In your prayer life, do you just simply call out to God, cry out to God? And then David says, uh, he, he pleads aloud. He is lifting up his voice. Specifically, he is asking God for mercy. Dear Lord, please be merciful. Hear my prayer requests. God, I implore you, listen to my supplication. And then he, he pours himself out in prayer. The imagery of, of like having a cup of water and just pouring it out, that, that does just fine. That's what his heart is doing, his mind, his emotions. He is just pouring himself out, pouring himself out before the Lord, his complaints, concerns, anxiety, his cares, pouring it out before the Lord. And then it says that he, he tells God his troubles, reveals God his troubles, or, or uh, declares his troubles to God. So simply in our prayer life, just talk to God, just tell God what is going on crying out, pleading aloud, pouring out, revealing. These certainly require words, but let's be real. Sometimes we don't have the right words when we pray. What really matters here is your heart. A long time ago, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, he once said in prayer, it's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. So when you pray... Is your heart in it? David is, is pouring out his heart in the cave before God, and he continues, verse 3, Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. So this is a, a common expression in the book of Psalms, like my spirit is weak, or my, my spirit grows faint, or, or things like that, these expressions here. Okay, th these are words of lament. And for us, I, I, I think it, it calls us to have awareness of what's going on in here. Awareness of our inner self. We are spiritual beings. And so let me ask you, church, how's your, your spiritual life today? How's your, your spiritual shape? How's your, your energy levels? Is, is the zeal there? Maybe you're not feeling all too hot. Maybe you're feeling a little disconnected from God. And I ask these questions to, to simply, like, just to ground ourselves. Like, we need, we, we need to be aware. We need to be aware of our own reality. How are we doing today? And then David, he, he launches into a confession of trust. God watches over my path, David says. So the other day, I, I ended up going on a run, and I didn't plan on running this far, but I ended up doing 10-plus miles, went down the Conshohocken, got on the Scenic River Trail, or the Schuylkill River Trail, and ended up running all the way down to Maniunk. And I did it without water, <laughs> and I was, I was hurting. Um, basically, yeah, around mile, mile five, mile six. You know, I'm just like, uh, like making sure I'm still sweating and not having heat stroke or anything like that. But this, this imagery, uh, oh, and by the way, I am investing in like 
water bottles to, to go running with, just just so you know. But this imagery of sometimes like you know, like like on the path, like I was just chugging along, just keeping my head down, like okay, you got this, Cam, you got this, just chugging on the trail. And I, I think sometimes though, like that, that's a good il- illustration of our spiritual life, our our Christian walk. Sometimes we get in a funk. We we get dehydrated. We're 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 not anchored in the in, into the streams of living water. Like like we are not abiding in the vine all too well. We're we're feeling it, but we kind of just chug along. But still, like deep down inside, we we have this confession of trust. It's like God, you know what? Yeah, it's weird. I'm not feeling it. I'm disconnected. Something's something. Uh, the nuts and bolts aren't aren't all there in my head and heart, but, but God, I know you're watching over my, my path. That's the confession of, of trust David has here. God is watching over us. But then David says this, along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. So David as popular as he was, high rank in the military, successful. It just seems like everyone was just a fair weather friend. David is feeling isolated. On his own journey now, he is just feeling alone. And in isolation, he's just sensing his perception there. He's perceiving there's just hidden traps everywhere. Now the opposite of isolation is community. Community is community builds resilience. Community builds strength, social support, emotional regulation. But in isolation, in that cave, David is just feeling so vulnerable. In one of my readings of this this psalm, I was thinking about how the, these others, David calls them they, they have hidden a trap for him. But I was thinking. Sometimes it's not other people. It's me. <laughs> because I've been caught up in my, my own head a time or two, and I've, I've experienced that, that one-two punch of, of being alone, but then also in my own head I set traps for me. You know, it's, it's, it's all made up in my own head. I'm talking about self-sabotage, right? Sometimes we, we do that to ourselves. But let's embrace the tension here. God watches over our path, but this path has hidden traps, and our spirit is is weak. There's tension here. I need to tell you something about God here this morning. It's so important. This is what we want to sink deep down into. Church, God is our shelter. God is our refuge. Verse 5, I cry out to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. David confesses that God is his shelter, his refuge, his place of security. And God himself is his portion in the land of the living. What does that mean? Well, he's not in the land of Sheol. He's not in the land of the dead. God himself is David's portion. And this echoes the Levitical establishment in Numbers 18, 
the, the tribe of Levi. They, they didn't have any property. They belonged to God. God himself is David's land. God himself is David's personal inheritance. God himself is David's portion. And yes, sometimes the, the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in, it feels like prison. Or maybe we'll even end up in actual real prison. But we all know what it feels like to be overwhelmed. And everyone has different capacities and abilities and things like that. But what's true of all of us is that we all need God. Whether we get to be up high in the cathedrals or we're down low in the caverns, God is our shelter and our portion. And the psalm continues, Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. And so in our, in our prayers, a lesson for us, we want to displace our self-sufficiency. Right, be, be aware of your own weaknesses. Pray to rescue. A, a common lie, a common lie that so often we get fed is that we do not need to be rescued. Pray for rescue. Verse 5. Listen to my, or excuse me, listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison, so that I can praise your name. And in this, this psalm here, there's, there's room for a, a literal prayer request. There's also room for metaphorical prayer requests here. So the, the literal is this. David had real flesh and blood people pursuing him. Okay, so in your prayer life, be real with, with what's going on in your life. God, this, this burden is so heavy, I can't lift it on my own. This assignment is too big, I cannot complete it on my own. This project is too expensive, I cannot pay for it on my own. These things are, are too big, too strong, too fast, too expensive for me, God. So on and so on. In your prayer life, what's troubling you? What's chasing you? What's that, what's that big, what's that Goliath in your life? And you're just like, you know what, God, I need rescue. I need you to show up. But also there's a, a metaphorical prayer request here because David says that he's in prison. And so we imagine that's, that's what he means by the cave there. But the, the, the quote, life prisons that we find ourselves in, the dungeons we find ourselves in, ultimately... That obstructs our worship. And so church, when, when we're going through our situations and circumstances, the, the prayer request is this. Pray for freedom. Pray for breakthrough. Pray for those strongholds to come down so that we can praise God. So that we can worship God without hindrance. Without the, 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 the nags of life, you know, that, that we can just be free of that. Free me from prison so that I can just go worship. Free me from just the burdens so that I can just be here and just enjoy your presence, Lord. And then the prayer concludes with hope. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously 
with me. And so from the isolation of the cave, it's like David transports himself to community. And when you pray, I don't know how often you like transport in your prayer life, but it sounds pretty cool. Like he, he, he's in the cave, but then he transports himself to community. And he's like, you know what? I will be in the assembly. I will be in the gathering of the righteous because God is generous. David is placing his faith in God. He's in the cave now, but he is placing his faith in God, his hope in God. God will act on his behalf. So the bottom line is, is this. This is what I want you to take away, among other things. But, but this is it. There, there is no cave. There is no prison. There is no pit deep enough. No situation sticky enough that we may not send our prayer requests to God. Now back to 1 Samuel 22. I love what happens next in the narrative. David didn't stay isolated in the cave for super long. Soon others would come and, and join him. This is what, what happens next in the story. It says, when David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, they went down and joined him there. So I guess, you know, there was some sort of message or communication got out. And his father's household and his brothers, they, they came and they, they joined up with David. In addition, every man who was desperate, in debt, discontented, rallied around David. David became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Sometimes we feel alone. We are alone. We feel alone. But you know what? That doesn't have to be the end of your story. David was alone in the cave. Right around the corner, all of a sudden he has 400 men. His family's there. He is not alone. We have questions. We, we have doubts. We have thoughts. We have different experiences. But you know what? There are people just like you. You're not alone in your thoughts. You're not alone in your experiences. And that is why here at Plymouth Meetings Church, we, we want to keep striving to build healthy forms of community here. The community of, of Plymouth Meeting Church, where, where we just continue to love and we teach and we correct and we bring healing and hope. We confront sinful attitudes just as Jesus did. And we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to give us, the Spirit who empowers us, the Spirit who works in us and through all of us. And in community, we just want to keep seeking out and, and being led by the peace of Jesus that rules in our heart. And speaking of Jesus, ultimately, in terms of feeling isolated and abandoned, Jesus knows that very well. Jesus knows the overwhelming. He knows what it's like to be poured out. On the cross, Jesus was despised and rejected by mankind. Jesus knows suffering. He's familiar with pain. Jesus is like the person we hide our faces from. He was despised, and we did not value him. And now, as we transition to communion time, 
Let's go to that upper room. Let's remember together in community. Luke 22. The evening before Jesus died, he, he shared a Passover meal with his disciples. Jesus took a cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was on the cross for us. He took on the death that we deserve. He stood in the gap. He brought healing. He brought redemption. He is the one who, who makes us a community here. He is the center. And so today, as we enter into a time of communion, we think about Jesus. We love on Jesus. We pour out our hearts to Jesus. He is our center. And he is, he is pulling us all towards himself and one another. Let's pray.